0: Hey, it's the first podcast episode of the new year, and we are talking about a new year, a new leader. Let's jump in.
1: After decades of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond our personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes?
0: A job change in multiple conversations with stressed out nonprofit leaders later, our desire to help nonprofits grow in a healthy and sustainable way was bigger than ever.
1: If you're a leader at the top or in the middle of a volunteer and donor-based organization, this podcast is for you.
0: We believe that a better world needs healthier nonprofits, and it's our passion to help you fulfill your organization's mission while helping you live a fulfilled life. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa.
1: Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. We're back. Yes, the podcast <laughs> is back. Took We usually take the last month, month and a half of the year off to focus on our family and time together. And also, honestly, a lot of nonprofits out there, especially like in the church world, they're pretty busy <laughs> finishing yeah. out the year. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a good time to take a little bit of break from the podcast. But this is season three. Mm-hmm. We're in season three of the podcast. This feels... Crazy.
0: Yeah, we're excited. We enjoy this longer form being able to talk. Um, and so we're just excited to be able to have some of these conversations. I have a whole list of things from the last couple months that I'm like, we need to talk about this because we've been having conversations
1: <laughs> <laughs> with different pe- people in nonprofits. I yeah. text
0: Ted randomly. I'm like, so I was talking to this nonprofit leader here through more podcast ideas. <laughs> um Simply because we see so much happening in year end, I think so much kind of comes out. Uh, Staff members are feeling the push. Leaders are looking at all their numbers. There's suddenly this extra amount of pressure. And then there's typically the big events happening too. Um, And so it's just, it's an interesting time of year for conversations, but we're excited to be able to jump in now um, after all that is done because I think this is the time that nonprofit leaders and people as a whole kind of set time aside to really look at what's going on.
1: Ooh, also, the podcast is now on video as well, which is, I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube, you know that or you're blind (laughs) and you're just guessing.
0: I don't think you should laugh about that. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah.
1: They're blind. They can still hear me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But uh, yeah. uh, The
0: podcast episodes, you're also going to get more of these looks.
1: So, yeah, you're actually going to see it when she looks at me disdainfully. Not dis- hey. It's not disdain, it's, it's like, a, oh my gosh.
0: We laugh a lot, though, during these. Anyway.
1: What are we talking about today? New leader, new year, new leader.
0: Yeah. Um, We have so many conversations in January, I think just as a whole, about new strategies, new goals. Where are we going? Let's get a renewed vision. Let's move forward. Let's take the next hill. Let's go after the next thing. Remember
1: 2020? A 2020 vision and then like COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> it was like everyone's. What I found interesting about it was uh, so many people had their 2020 vision and it became very, very clear how many people weren't going to do it. <laughs> it was like uh, we were involved in a couple different churches at that point doing like ministry stuff. And so many churches have a series in December or January 1st, that was like 2020 vision going into that year. Um, and then we watched all these churches be like, well, I guess the vision doesn't matter. Like, well, if the, maybe the vision never mattered. <laughs> like, um, or maybe do you do
1: like you finally got the clarity that you were looking for, which is what we're doing. Isn't working all that well. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't
0: know. <laughs> maybe you got the clarity of like, Oh, we don't have to run stuff this way. Super interesting. That's all off topic.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Um, <but> with, <laughs> That's also happening a lot on the podcast.
0: Yes. But with all of that, we were recognizing that it's not always about what the next thing is that you're going to do as an organization, but a lot of times recognizing that you might need a new leader in place in order for, order for that to move forward. Now, if you are a nonprofit leader, we're not saying remove yourself and hire someone else <laughs> or get a new volunteer Get the heck out of here. Um, but we need to recognize that sometimes we do need new leadership. This might be bringing someone new into our teams, being conscious about a place or area that we want to grow in, and maybe that needs a new leader or sport. Or maybe we need to become a better leader and grow as a leader. Otherwise, the strategies that we put out there, if we don't change how we are, how we interact, how we exist within our organization, um, new strategies with the same le- <coughs> same leadership mindset uh, aren't going to really get different results. It's going to be like grinding metal on metal.
1: Right. The the leaders that are in place are kind of the baseline for an organization. They're the, the cap, they're the bottleneck. And so if you have all these great new strategies, but you don't change something about the leadership that's in place, um, new strategies are only going to get you so far before they they hit that lid and they revert back to the way they were. You know, you have new, oh, we have new goals for how many funds we're going to raise this year. And if you don't change ways in which the leadership works, uh, from the board all the way down to volunteer leadership, that fundraising goal might, you might see like a momentary blip, but it's going to like trend attend to just revert back to where it was.
0: Um, because as a leader, you can change for the short term. If you're like, I'm going to be a more positive person, That'll last for a bit, but unless you actually change something about how you view the world, how you see the world, how you interact with the world, or how you understand leadership to be, the short term, I'm just going to act different, um, are kind of like New Year's resolutions. And the vast majority (laughs) of the time, they don't last that long. And people start to see through the cracks. And they're like, okay, so new strategy, not really a different person. So now we're just going to have to push extra hard, recognizing that it might not do any good at all. And that's really disheartening for staff and volunteers. Now, we're all about new strategies. We love new systems. We love big goals. Um, So we have nothing against any of that. But this is one area that we want to see you succeed well, in. Well,
1: part of it is that we we love new strategies and new systems. We've done a lot of them. And ultimately, it comes back to who we are
0: mm-hmm. as
1: people you know, we see the flaws in just saying, "Hey, we're gonna go after this goal, this strategy, this structure, this system," and then realize that we were the problem. Yeah, you know, not the not the strategy was the problem, and so um,
0: we to- say sometimes like success is your volunteer, like gets your volunteers get credit, failure the leader gets credit, um, and we say it seriously, but also it takes a certain amount of true introspection to say. No, really, it's not just that I'm the leader, so I'll take the failure and say it in a good way and make people feel better. No, we need to look at ourselves as leaders and really say, these are my shortcomings. This is where I have fallen. This is how I need to grow and improve. And this is why it hasn't worked in the past. And part of this might be you sitting down looking at 2022 and saying what worked on my teams and what didn't work on my teams. What worked on your team probably wasn't fully because of you, and you need to duplicate the people who actually attributed to that success. What went wrong on your teams is likely a lot more you than you'd be willing to recognize, but if you can really admit it and look for it, there's so much room for growth and potential, partly because if your volunteers see you saying, man, I'm the leader of this team, I noticed I didn't do this quite right this year, I'm going to be better. Here's my plan. Mm. Here's how I'm going to change. The amount of trust that is built in those moments of true recognition, um, it's something that becomes very, very hard to break later on because there's something about a leader who is willing to be vulnerable and not fake vulnerable, but the true, I have messed up. Here is how I'm going to do better and then actually taking action on it. But actually it makes people want to stay in your team longer (laughs) because they're like, whatever (laughs) whatever happens they're gonna take ownership for it and i know i can talk to them and trust them
1: well i mean it makes you a safe place because it's not just gonna blame them for all these mistakes and they noticed it i mean it's not like they were they weren't there for when you did something stupid They, they saw it and they were like okay when is somebody gonna address this and the fact that you're the person that addressed it Brings a lot of trust into that situation because they're like, okay, cool. You're not inept. You actually understand what makes a good situation and a bad situation, and you understand that you're the one who made the bad situation, and so now you can fix it.
0: And if you don't know what your faults were in the last year as a leader, send out like an anonymous survey to your volunteers and just say like, what's something I didn't see? What's something I didn't take credit for in like the worst way possible? And what's what's a blind spot I have? What's something I could work on? I
1: guarantee you they have things. Oh, they know. But you better make sure that it's actually anonymous and they have to know that it's anonymous because especially in nonprofit work, there's a certain level of this isn't just business. It's also personal. So you have to create a really safe environment for them to be actually honest. But that honesty is so valuable In the nonprofit setting, because that's where trust is actually built and trust is way more uh, bonding than like money, for example, for if, you you know, especially in a volunteer situation, you're not paying them. All you really have is trust.
0: Mm -hmm. And the way that you interact with them as a leader in this way, it it can totally change your volunteer teams for the next 12 months. Um, There's just so much potential and so much room. Um, speaking of volunteer teams, new leadership on your volunteer teams is a big one.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we just talked a bit about being a better leader, being a new leader. But let's say you've got volunteer teams and you have some leadership in place, or maybe you don't have leadership in place. It's just you working directly with the volunteers to, and to go where you want to go as an organization or as a team. You're going to need to start thinking what are the leadership needs that are required to get there. You know, you don't don't just say, we're going to have 50 new volunteers. You have to think, if we have 50 new volunteers, that means we need at least 10 volunteer leaders that are going to help manage and care for and make sure that all those people are having a great time while serving and all that stuff. So you need to pinpoint what are the volunteer needs and then you need to start thinking, how do we actually find the right (laughs) people maybe jettison some of the wrong people not jettison that sounds mean we're not just gonna shoot them out into space like the alien (laughs) (laughs) from alien (laughs) the xenomorph flying through space but um no like how do we how do we help move them to some place that's a little bit different you know than being in a leadership position or maybe you have great leaders but they're just not gonna be at the same level that you need for like a different tier of leadership
0: yeah Um, One thing that we see a lot within nonprofits is typically the person who founded the organization is the leader of the entire organization. And this makes sense. I mean, it's kind of weird when that person doesn't have some of those leadership qualities, but generally they recognize it and they can learn. Um, But when we have volunteers and volunteer teams, it's really easy to assume that if we're going to build the team, the current structure is just going to move up in level. Um, so you might have a leader who's really great um not at all the aspects of leadership, but maybe one specific part of leadership <clears throat> and you're like, well, I need to grow the team, but they were there first, so I need to make them the head volunteer leader.
1: You can yeah go ahead. I was gonna say the the <clears throat> just like the founders end up being in charge because they were there a lot of leadership leadership happens in volunteer teams because they were there. They were volunteers <laughs> mm-hmm. that were there at the beginning and they just kind of like you brought in three new volunteers, they kind of showed people the ropes, they sort of ended up leading. Maybe they didn't have a lot of qualities, maybe they learned some, maybe they kind of capped out at a certain place and they can really only handle working with lower level volunteers uh just helping them get some tasks done. They're not great at managing schedules or something, right? So recognizing that and saying, OK, where are people at? What kind of leadership do they want to have? What level of managing other people do they want to do? Because it's not just what are they capable of, but they're volunteering. So it a lot of it has to do with what they want to do, too.
0: Yeah, we've been in positions or I have... Oh my gosh, my throat. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You keep talking. I'm going to bring something. We've been in
1: positions where the volunteers and this, I mean, this happens a lot. There are a lot of like highly skilled volunteers (laughs) on a team. Yeah, they're super skilled. And then there's somebody who uh, is leading them who is not as skilled. (laughs) But what's weird about it is it actually works out. Okay. Because the people who are on the team support that leader. Yeah. And they help them. A, a good example of that is myself. Even I, I led a music team for a while, and I'm I'm a good musician. I know how to like lead people, but um, there were some people on the team that were just very, very highly skilled at their instrument, and they would they were also the kind of people who need a lot of detail. And I'm very much like a fly by the seat of my pants kind of musician. So I needed to work with those leaders who were really, really skilled their instrument. They can like read music and stuff. I can't. I play by ear. I mean, I can, but it's just not as proficient as these people. It's (laughs) very slow. (laughs) Yeah. But I relied on them. Now, just because they had more skill didn't mean that they were in charge, but it was a partnership between the leadership and the, the other volunteers on the team to make it work.
0: Yeah. And so with that, you need to recognize that not everyone who's capable of doing the thing very, very well is automatically capable of leading people who can do the thing very well. Yeah. Um, Also, just because they're capable doesn't mean that they want to step up into a leadership position. Just because someone can lead doesn't even mean that they want to step up into a leadership position, depending on maybe what's going on in their life or the season or whatever it might look like. So if you're just looking at people and saying, I see the potential in you to be able to lead and I'd like you to lead a team, they might opt out of that. And that doesn't mean that they're incapable or that they don't want to later But you need to have all those pieces right. What can they do? What do they want to do? And are they the right person and personality for the people that are going to be led? Um, Because if you have a team that has highly capable volunteers, like they have to know what's going on and know how to do stuff, you need to know, are they going to be able to respect a leader who doesn't have that ability? Some teams, the people don't care you led some people on a construction project once and you're not the most construction-y person. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they all respected you and that was fine. But there could be a different group of people doing the same task who if you couldn't do it better than them would have a hard time following you. And so as the staff member or the volunteer leader or the leader of the organization, you need to be in tune enough with all those different layers that you're bringing the right person into that Mm. leadership role And that might mean that someone who has been a leader on your team for six months isn't the person who you bring up into the next leadership position because they might be great at training in new people who are coming, but they might not be ideal in terms of the ongoing relational care to make sure that the volunteers are being cared for. Um, And recognizing that is really important. And then knowing how to have those conversations and knowing how to move that forward it's, it's vital. If you want your stuff to grow and move forward, you cannot assume that your org structure just goes up and up and up. Sometimes it's here and then you have to bring in another person and it adjusts a lot of the internal dynamics. Totally possible to handle that well, but you need to recognize it's happening so that you can guide people through that transition.
1: We talk a ton about lead and lag indicators and there is something to be said about backfilling Uh, teams and backfilling uh, donors and backfilling uh, volunteer roles and staff and and things like that by saying, hey, we need just we just need more grunt force we need or we need a ton more five dollar a month donations. Right. Mm -hmm. And just kind of backfilling and saying we don't need a lot of like high level um, stuff. And but that's usually only going to work when you have built the capacity to hold the backfill. Think of it like um, building a retaining wall. Why do I keep using metaphors? I don't have a lot of personal experience. You don't experience. have any experience but, with all
0: these metaphors, are right. Okay, but, but right. I, I
1: know what a retaining wall is. <laughs> if you just try to throw dirt onto a hill, it's going to erode and fall back. But you need to have the capacity to hold a certain amount of dirt. So you build up the structure first to be able to actually hold that. And when we're talking about volunteers... Or new donors, this is another, I mean, it's another big one. You want to be thinking about who are the leaders, who are the people who are helping to retain? Do we have the capacity to hold 100 volunteers? Do we have the capacity to hold 200 more $5 a month donations? What does it take to retain them? What does it take to get them? What does it take to uh, show them that what they're doing matters and how much they're giving matters so that way Mm -hmm. they keep doing it?
0: What... Like, do you have the capacity? And then if you don't, what capacity do you need in place? The issue is that you might be able to get 200 more $5 a month donors without the capacity. But that capacity will determine whether or not they stick around for your organization long term. You can go after that one-time bump, but it's very difficult to retain donors and volunteers if you don't have the capacity built up to truly be able to give them the support that they need, as they are supporting your organization. This isn't just a one way thing where it's like your job is to support me. As leaders, we need to recognize that part of our role is to support them in a different way, as they are supporting our organization in a way that only they can. And if you don't have the capacity, they're just going to fall off. It's like, having a cup that doesn't have enough capacity to hold the amount of liquid that you need. Like me with little coffee cups in the morning, we don't do well. I need like a big capacity cup. (laughs) For your organization, you need a big capacity structure that's going to allow you to hit whatever those goals are that you have set for 2023. Because without that large capacity structure in place, you're going to end up with a mess. People who have fallen off, people who have fallen out, people who have fallen through the cracks. It's just going to be messy and that's actually going to hurt your organization long term because you're going to be the organization who didn't respond to people, who didn't care about people, who forgot that people had raised their hand, said they wanted to get involved while also being the organization who just keeps asking for people. People are like, why would I join? You don't have room for me. <laughs> I, I don't get care there. And that's what people want it's not just that they want to volunteer that they want to give. They also need that exchange of support. Um, so, yeah, build that up early.
1: In a course that we're actually going to be releasing in just a few weeks where we talk specifically about growing, getting more and better volunteers uh, on your teams. We talk about an acronym that we accidentally came up with. It was so <laughs> weird. We were like we went through like all these different things things about keeping volunteers around and then after we recorded the class we realized that it's spelled out retain if you just reorganize the letters a little bit at the beginnings of these words and we're like this is so stupid we had a perfect acronym
0: like there is a video in that course that's just us pushing record saying
1: how did we you
0: guys we missed
1: an opportunity we missed an
0: opportunity and we taught a whole class on this
1: we come from a church background where it's like Every every chance you get you make an acronym and we totally like we accidentally made one and we didn't use it. It was so funny. But anyway, (laughs) it was retain, and I can't remember all of them off the top of my head right now. But like some of these things are, you know, recognizing that people are doing a great job and encouraging them and training them and affirming them and investing in investing in them. And like all of that stuff is required for running healthy and growing healthy volunteer teams, but it takes something to do all that stuff. And you need systems and structures and manpower to do it. So you can't just say, Oh yeah, I'm going to have 50 new volunteers because that's 50 new volunteers worth of uh, training. That's 50 new volunteers worth of investment in their lives. That's 50 new volunteers worth of uh, affirming them and encouraging them and recognizing them in front of other people. Like, that's a lot of people to add all of that stuff to because you're not just giving them a paycheck. You're, get, you're paying them in these other ways.
0: And part of this is recognizing your capacity as a leader. Um, you are not a superhero, I don't think, or your identity is hidden extremely well. Peter um,
1: <laughs> Peter Parker. Peter Parker is watching this podcast right now.
0: But even Peter Parker probably doesn't have capacity to stay in regular contact with 50 different volunteers. He's out fighting the bad guys. He's got um, he's
1: only got a few friends.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has limited <laughs> scope, right? So, and I mean, and we're not Peter Parker, which means we need to recognize our own limitations here. Um, but for real, you might be super outgoing and love being around a lot of people. Or you might be someone who's like, I can only handle a certain amount of social interactions every week or every day. Um, How are you building out your systems so that you can effectively care for the people needed to reach your goals? Um, How are you building out what you're doing in a way that, and I'm not talking about caring for people to get them to reach your goals. I'm saying work backwards. If you have a goal that requires 50 people, first and foremost, how are you going to care for 50 people? Do you have that capacity? And if you don't, which you probably don't, what is your capacity? How many people can you really be super intentional with? And then how can you support them and bring in leaders under those handful of people so that 50 people can be cared for? And with this, also, recognizing that I need to build this out in a way where, yes, I have the regular conversation with the small group of people, but I have allotted enough uh, relational capacity so that when these volunteers are in, I'm not brushing past them saying, You're not my job. We can't fall into that trap. So, you need to look at all of these different areas as you becoming this new leader recognizing mm-hmm. who you are and not who you want to be but who you are today who you can grow into but setting stuff up for just how you are wired and who you are and then really planning so that you can get the new leaders in position so that your goals become something that give you life versus make you want to leave the nonprofit sector as a whole. Right. Um, if you do this incorrectly you can succeed at your goals and hate the organization that you started.
1: Right. And that usually happens because you're trying to run over capacity. Yeah. You're trying to run over what your capacity is. And so you're overworking the engine.
0: Yeah. And it's dangerous. Like, I, yeah. we say we want to help you, like, fulfill your organizations while living a fulfilled life. Oftentimes, organizations are fulfilling their mission and everyone involved with it hates their lives. They're like, I have nothing fun I get to do. I'm here all the time. I'm perpetually stressed out. No one understands me. I'm alone. I'm alone. Um, And if the leader's feeling like this at the top of the org, probably every other leader within the organization is feeling this too because culture permeates from the top. Um, And it's not a healthy structure, but the only way to get a healthy structure is to recognize what structures you need and not just the systems, not just the structures, but the people. The people make or break it. Um, So really be planning ahead for this.
1: Um, As we kind of wrap up, I wanted to bring up the idea of a new leader above you.
0: Mm. Because
1: we talked about you changing as a leader and you bringing in new leadership that you are in charge of or leading. But where are you looking to get, you know, to grow yourself? Yeah. Where are you looking to get direction from as a leader of an organization? Are you, what are you reading? Like, do you, are you happy with what they have built? Or are you looking at that saying, like, if I did all the things, I mean, the books that you're reading and the leaders that you're paying attention to and saying, I'm going to emulate what they're doing. Do you want what they have? Do you want their life? Do you want their organization? Do you want the problems that come with, that organization yeah. because people have written <clears> some <throat> really, really great books, but then you look at what their organization did and <clears> you're like, oh, that's not good. I mean, if you're ascribing to somebody's advice, you better be willing to accept the results.
0: <clears throat> and the results aren't just those metrics that are shiny or that are out there or that look really good from the outside. The results are the good and also the bad and the ugly. Um, we've seen leaders who write books about here's how to do this thing in a specific organization. Meanwhile, they're as they're writing, they're on the verge of quitting their organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and behind the scenes, it's like, why, why are you teaching people this? Or why are you coaching people? Right. You don't even...
1: Your advice is what got you to this point. <laughs>
0: yeah, your advice is what got you here. Um, we've seen organizations follow leaders who are harsh. And they are getting good results, but their staff members hate them. Their volunteers hate them. And the advice that they're getting, they're following it, even though it's not necessarily following falling in line with their core values. But it's like... But this is what works, so maybe I'm misunderstanding something. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. Assuming that growth means that it's good. Um, and that isn't always the case. There's healthy growth, and then there's growth that comes because of unhealthy stuff. Mm-hmm. And eventually it all catches up to itself.
1: Yeah, cancer grows too. It doesn't, just because there's growth doesn't mean it's good.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but then looking back at the last year, who have you been listening to in leadership And is it something where your life is moving in a direction where you want it to go? Uh, We have a lot of just different conversations about different ways of running organizations. And I think for me, a huge, uh, what would that be called? A huge pillar, a huge red flag, philosophy, all the things, is if we're in a position of running volunteers or running staff, anything that makes it so the people around me feel stress when I walk into a room. I don't want that. Um, I also don't want to walk into a space that makes me feel stress rather than peace. Like I understand there will be stressful seasons, stressful situations, stressful, whatever. But if I'm walking into a room and my demeanor is consistently hard, harsh, I'm going to pound my fist on the table, try and get you to work harder, not have time for you, any of those things. I'm like, Yeah, I don't care how shiny the numbers are, not interested. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so that's what I'm looking for with other leadership because we talk to other leaders, we attend conferences, and when we're attending conferences, we're not just looking at the speakers on stage. We are watching every volunteer who's helping out the conference to see if their demeanor matches what the leader is talking about. And if their demeanor isn't matching, if the way that they're communicating isn't matching, then we're like this isn't necessarily leadership that we want to follow mm-hmm. um, because we've been to some conferences that we look back later and we're like, Oh, behind the scenes. Now we know. Yeah. We're, we're going to just ignore. Some
1: of right. That stuff. And the, you know, you could see it <laughs> on the volunteers faces. People were stressed out. They were like afraid running around uh, trying, you know, people could be really good at putting on a face, but you can tell when people are doing something out of like, trying to avoid getting yelled at versus Mm -hmm. they're just happy to actually like, legitimately truthfully happy to be there and happy to be serving. Yeah. Uh, there's a big difference. (laughs) If
0: you're ever not sure at a conference, if the volunteers are happy, grab a chair or a couch or something and watch the people who are making the coffee. (laughs) That's it. Like you can tell very, very quickly if there's this underlying, I have to go fast. I have to get stuff done. I'm going to get in trouble. They're smiling while they're taking the money, but behind the scenes, you can tell that there's frantic on their face. Um, or if they're making the coffee and they smile, and then even when no one's around, they're still just smiling and happy. Like, you can tell, and it's a very, it's interesting, because we were at a conference last year, and we were sitting kind of exhausted. We were in, like, a leadership lounge area, and we were just tired, and I was just watching the barista, and I looked at Ted and said, they're actually happy here. Like, they're actually happy. And it was interesting, like, those little moments. But as a leader, before you start learning from other leadership, you need to know if the leadership behind the scenes is what you think it is. And it can be hard to figure out. Um, I mean, like, you start reading books, you know, and getting to know a leader from afar. But as you get closer, don't assume that just because you read that they care about people. That that's actually how they're leading because mm-hmm. we've seen some.
1: And I'd say too, people. like, <laughs> you know, you could also go into a situation like that and say, well, I'll just take the good parts. The problem is it's hard to parse and separate yeah. what what things led to what. Yeah. Um, what has causation versus mm-hmm. correlation? So you could go in and say, like, yeah, I can tell the way that they talk to their staff is really mean, but. I can just take the parts of their organization that do this and not that part. Well, chances are these things are probably linked. So you got to be careful about where you take stuff from. Yeah. Like you got to be thinking about like, is this because stuff is messy. It's all entangled. It's like a plate of spaghetti. And you don't know where one, you know, noodle starts and another noodle stops
0: Yeah, we heard um, a leader... I know
1: about spaghetti. I can use spaghetti metaphors.
0: (laughs) I know that one.
1: I know noodles. Pasta.
0: (laughs) Um, We've heard leaders say things like eat the fish, spit out the bones. But the problem is muscles are formed around the bones. If the bone wasn't there, the muscle wouldn't look like that. Uh, If the bones were bigger, the muscle would look differently. If the bones were smaller, the muscle would look differently. Um, Unless somehow fish muscle is different than uh, every other animal. But... Um,
1: I don't know why you assume it's fish muscles. I mean, I spit out the bones when I eat steak. Steak. That's how big of bites I take. I have to spit out a whole <laughs> beef bone. A beef bone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but they, like, it's not just that they're correlated. It's that there is a direct, um, like, the bones are the structure and the meat mm-hmm. is what's there. And if you're just taking the meat saying, we are going to copy the meat. And ignore the structure that caused the meat to be formed in this way, you can't do that. Like they are not, you can separate them, but you cannot build them separately from each other. And mm. so,
1: or at least at the very least, it's extremely hard to it's do. It's
0: very, very hard. Yeah. And we've seen organizations um, say, we're going to ignore the bad parts, but we're going to keep the good parts and force it to happen in a way that isn't a natural outcome for their leadership style. So either they're forcing something that isn't ready to happen within their organization, or they're having to make leadership adjustments to be like this old organization because they've so valued the leg indicator. They've so valued the outcome that people become ready to disregard pieces of their own values in order to get that outcome that they have deemed to be the right thing. And it's not that the outcome isn't a good thing to shoot for, but if it's not culturally the best fit for your organization, you're going to be hurting yourself, your volunteers, your staff members, and causing damage within your organization. And most of all, you're going to be messing up the culture of your organization for years to come. And you might not even realize it for a few years what you're doing simply because you chose to take on leadership values from a source Thinking that you could lead exactly like them, but maybe do it a little bit better, not realizing that the bad is baked into all of it because it's all this mess of spaghetti. <laughs> I like that analogy more so, than the construction more than, work. Hey,
1: I, I think I was right on that too, but the well, spaghetti you were is. right.
0: I'm just saying I like it. I have more. a lot more
1: experience <laughs> with spaghetti. Let's just put it that way. But um, so, yeah, we covered. Yourself as a leader, you know, looking at yourself and saying, how can I be a new and better leader this year? We we talked about being a leader, like having leaders in your organization that you can kind of restructure and help raise up new leaders and put new leaders in place. And then also looking and finding great leaders to learn from and basically kind of put in a position of leadership over you because as a nonprofit leader, sometimes you don't have that. You know, sometimes you don't have a lot of, I mean, you're the leader, you know, if you're at the top, you know, you have the, you have the board, But like sometimes it's like, oh, where else, you know, who's going to invest in me? Who's going to lead me? Mm -hmm. And so this is a really, really good way to start the year, I think.
0: Yeah. So we're excited to hear what some of your goals are for the year. Um, And we highly encourage you to work them backwards. A lot of times we work backwards. We want to raise this much money. And so that means this many donors this frequently. And we do that part. But from a leadership perspective, work your goals backwards because If you can do this well, it can make it so at the end of the goals you hit your year, you hit them at the end of the year, you hit your goals and you do it in a way that can be a ton of fun um, and very exciting and encouraging. And I've seen teams that actually move forward in their goals and it's not this huge stress of we have to get this done and just, you know, put your nose to the grindstone. I don't know what that means, but people use it um, and just get it done But it can truly be very, very fulfilling to lead an organization and too often we are willing to sacrifice um, the joy of the work that we do for the shiny metrics and say, if I get there, it'll all be worth it in the end. And there are ways to make the journey worth it in the process. And we don't want to see you burn out while you're succeeding.
1: Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What are your goals for the year and how are you going to address the leadership piece of those goals? We'd love to hear from you. You can always send us an email at office at legacybuildersintl.com. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review.
0: To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to legacybuildersinternational.com. That's legacybuildersintl.com.